When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, our Tuesday Hey Mary Kay edition of the podcast, where our Football Insider subscribers sent us in their questions following the Browns' loss to the LA Chargers on Sunday, 32-28. And Mary Kay, I'm sure you can imagine what a lot of these questions had to do with uh, after that defensive performance on Sunday. We are going to talk about Joe Woods and the defense, but I want to start here just to I guess put a little bit of a different spin on this. And this comes from Bruce Moore uh, in West Palm Beach, Florida, a member of the Palm Beach Browns backers. Hey, Mary Kate, there's a lot of negative talk about the Browns defensive coaches, but should some of the blame also go to Andrew Barry in light of the struggles by Jacob Phillips and the young defensive tackles? You know what? That's a great question. It is a great question. And I've been thinking a lot about this uh, since the game yesterday and since the Falcons game. You know, you look out there and you have to wonder, uh, and we talked about this some on our pod last night, is are some of these issues personnel problems? Did they leave themselves a little too short at linebacker? Did they leave themselves a little too thin at defensive tackle? Is their philosophy of going, you know, with the smaller hybrid linebackers a little bit of an issue, especially when you play against a bigger guy like Carterell Patterson. Now that didn't really uh, end up being a huge factor because Patterson was hurt uh, and they actually gashed them with other backs who weren't even quite as big as him. But uh, I think it's a combination of a lot of these things. I think they do miss Anthony Walker Jr. a lot. Not only uh, was he off to a really nice start at middle linebacker, and he's super solid from a technique standpoint and a tackling standpoint, but he's also your green sticker guy. He was calling the defensive plays, and he's got a tremendous way of getting everybody lined up where they're supposed to be. And when you look at uh, the 42-yarder in Atlanta uh, that Marcus Mariota threw there at the end of the game, uh, I think that was a situation where the linebackers, you know, cheated up on the, uh, you know, bit on the play fake a little bit. And then Marcus Mariota was able to find a hole in the cover three zone. And uh, it just turned out to be a disaster of a play. So I think it's a combination of a lot of things. But I do think there is something to be said for looking at some of the players in certain positions and wondering if they are playing up to their capability are they being put in positions to succeed? I mean, it, it's kind of hard to know. I think they have to break it down. Like Kevin Stefanski was saying today, they don't have a bye week right now uh, to break it all down, but somebody's just going to have to burn the midnight oil and figure out where the biggest problems are and root them out and fix them. And, you know, look, obviously Andrew was not happy with something because a few hours after that game, Deion Jones is on his way to Cleveland. And, you know, that's obviously not something that just materialized out of thin air. Um, 
So, you know, Jacob Phillips has not been good enough. And you don't make this trade if you're confident that Jacob Phillips can be that guy in the middle. And that's a guy that Andrew drafted in the third round. And they kind of, they, they tried to kind of clear the table for Andrew or Anthony Walker came in and, and maintained that job and won it out of camp. But they, it seemed like they wanted Jacob Phillips to take that job. We talked about the defensive tackles last night. You know, Jordan Elliott was a third round pick. Perry on Winfrey played a lot on Sunday and didn't appear to be real effective in the run game. Um, you know, Taven Bryan wasn't a draft pick, but they did go out and sign him as kind of a reclamation project uh, from Jacksonville. You know, Andrew Barry's stamp is on this defense, and I do I do think it's fair to look at both sides of it the the coaching and also the person who built the defense. I mean, they put a lot of resources into this defense since he got here. Yes, they they really have. And I, you know, I've been touting it as what I thought was supposed to be a Super Bowl caliber defense this year. I really thought it was going to be that. I thought that uh, the young guys that so showed so much promise last year were going to really step up this year and make, make even more of an impact. And I'm talking about Greg Newsom, Grant Delpit, uh, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. I expected all those guys to like really pop this year. And so far, uh, you know, we still need to see some things from those guys. Now, the season is young. It's only five games in. Uh, but they can't have uh, the breakdowns that they've been having. They can't be giving up the yardage rushing that they have in the last two weeks, 440 yards in the last two weeks alone. I mean, Bill Belichick is coming to town this week, and they rushed for, I think, 176 yards in their victory over the Lions. And, boy, I mean – when, when Bill Belichick smells blood in the water like that, he is going to attack. And so they better get some things done in a hurry. Yeah, that's one thing that that's certain is New England's not going to come to town and get cute. They're, they're going to test that run defense. And if the Browns come out and stop them, then that maybe changes things. But they're they're not going to run a bunch of reverses and screens. You know, they're not going to be cute. They're just going to run right at them and say, all right, you guys haven't been able to stop this. Go ahead and stop it. And if the Browns can't, it, I mean, New England might run the ball 60 times if if that's what works. Yeah, and you know what? I mean, when we talked to Miles last night after the game, he put that 238-yard rushing performance on the defensive line, and I kind of have to agree with him on that. I know it's every level of the defense, but for the most part, when you assemble a premier defensive line like the one that they have, and three of your starters are back. Now, I thought 100% the Browns would have won the game in Atlanta had they had those three starting defensive linemen. And I still feel that way uh, because I don't think they had enough other things going on offensively you know, to beat that had those three guys been there. Um, but I do agree with Miles that you need to put it on your defensive line. I mean, they, they're they, like you said, they've committed a lot of resources. Uh, they've got a lot of guys up there that are, you know, pro bowlers and Miles and Jadavian. Uh, and, you know, you need to be making sacks, strips, tackles for loss, batted passes, plays behind the line of scrimmage. I mean, you really need to be wreaking havoc. And they just, they were not able to do that. Okay. So you sort of uh, alluded to this earlier. Um, Scott and Columbus says, hey, Mary Kay, all offseason we were sold on the idea that the defense would have to carry this team. Now the offense ranks fifth and the defense ranks 30th. 
believe this team has the players to have a great defense, but the scheme is not working. When is this team going to realize Joe Woods is not the answer? Again, something we talked about a lot on on the post-game podcast, this team's not going to make knee-jerk reactions. Um, There's obviously still a belief in Joe Woods because he's still the defensive coordinator, but you know, Scott's right. I mean, we all were talking up this defense this offseason. I mean, I think one of our FAQs was, can this be a top 10 defense or top five defense? And I think pretty unequivocally, we all said yes, that they can be that good of a group. And it just it hasn't come together. How how much of that is on Joe Woods, do you think? You know, it's really hard to say right now. It's so hard to say because there have been games where they played pretty well defensively down for down. And then they would give up a 75-yard touchdown pass, or they would give up a 66-yard pass on a blown coverage to Corey Davis, or a 42-yard pass to Olamide Zacchaeus. Are you impressed I got that one right? I I actually am, yes. (laughs) Um, And so, and obviously we saw, you know, a 71-yard run yesterday. I mean... You know, you would expect that from the Browns in that game, but I don't think anybody was really expecting that from the Chargers. And maybe that was part of the problem that maybe they were sleeping on their dormant running game yesterday. I don't know. They shouldn't have been, um, but perhaps they were. I, I think right now it's a little bit of everything. I think it's missing Anthony Walker. I think it's Miles Garrett getting in a very bad car accident and missing last week's game and not being himself yet. For yesterday's game, I think it's Jadavian Clowney missing two games and coming back yesterday and playing pretty well, uh, but you know just maybe not being 100% there where he's able uh, to to get that kill shot. I mean, they just needed that, and it's hard to do on Justin Herbert because I mean he's so elusive and he can slip away from trouble so easily. And they play the quick passing game and they get that ball out so quickly. Um, but still, you would expect some bigger plays from those guys. I mean, when you are uh, paying them what you're paying them and they have, I think, seven Pro Bowls between them, uh, you you need them to, you need someone to take over and come through with that enormous play and they couldn't get it. So I don't know if I can put that all on Joe Woods. I think some of it has to go on the players. I think some of the players have to grow up a little bit. I think, uh, and, and I mean, into their talent. I don't mean from a maturity standpoint. I think some of the players are just young and still learning, coming up the learning curve like JOK and Greg Newsom and Martin Emerson and Alex Wright. I mean, it's a young defense for the most part. It's a really young defense. Um, so, you know, they they might be playing a ton better six or seven games from now. I have a feeling they probably will be if they stay healthy enough uh, because I think the talent is there. There's There's something about looking out there and seeing – you know, Grant Delpit and Greg Newsome and Martin Emerson and Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney and all these guys. And I think the talent seems to be there. Jadavian even talked about that in postgame. He said, this is one of the most talented defenses I've ever been on. So they do have to get it figured out. Are they not communicating? Are they not getting the right calls on the field? Because Anthony's out and now Jacob's doing that. Uh, is Joe Woods not putting them in the best position to succeed? Are they not playing up to their potential? Are they too injured? I think it's all of the above. It didn't it feel like there were times yesterday when they were kind of using, I, I, some teams do this. They they sort of use Miles' aggressiveness against him. 
Um, mm-hmm. they, they would kind of run past. There was that screen they ran, and I don't think you can do this with every quarterback. Um, you can do this with Justin Herbert because he's willing to stand in there with Miles bearing down on him, but they kind of just threw a screen right over top of him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those are little adjustments that I, I guess they need to make, but I, I don't, I just, for me, it's hard to put my finger on one thing. I think it is sort of a lot of everything. And I, I certainly think Joe Woods is involved in that. Now, a question that came up a lot, obviously, in wake of the trade is Deion Jones. And someone basically asked, hey, Mary Kay, when will Deion Jones be able to get on the field for this team? Well, he's coming off of a shoulder injury. He had shoulder surgery in May. He's been on injury reserve to this point. So he's got to come in tomorrow. And first thing, he has to pass his physical. Um, so I I would assume that everyone think that thinks that's going to go just fine. Uh, but it's something to keep in the back of your mind. He's got to pass that physical. Uh, and, you know, chances are he's not going to be 100% right away. He's got to get up to speed. Uh, he's got to learn this defense. He's got to learn his role in it. He's got to see where he fits. I don't think you could just slap the green sticker on him and pretend like he's Anthony Walker and say, let's go. And now he is a 2017 pro bowler. And there is something about those pro bowlers. They do hit differently. They look different when they're out there playing. Most of the time, you can tell the difference between a regular player and a pro bowl player. There is a difference uh, in my experience. But again, that was in 2017. He hasn't played uh, yet this season. And so I don't think people should expect him to come in and be the savior of this defense and the savior of this running game. He's got to get up to speed a little bit. You know, maybe he can work in there this week against the Patriots. Certainly they need him. They need him to get out there as fast as they possibly can. And if they can get him out there on Sunday, then they will. Um, If they have to, you know, just work him into the rotation so that he's playing 25% of the snaps, you know, maybe they do something like that. Um, But certainly they could use him on Sunday. I we actually didn't get a chance to talk about this trade. So let's spend a little time on that because we recorded the post game pod a, a few hours before this trade broke. Ultimately, what did you think of it? Like like what did you think of the decision to to go and make this deal? Obviously there's there's not a lot given up here, just a pick swap. Um I mean, what did you think why do you think they made this deal and what did you think of it? Well, I think they needed to have some veteran uh leadership on and off the field from the linebacker position. I think they they recognized uh, that they needed to upgrade there. And again, when you add a Pro Bowl player to a room and onto the field, it's going to make a difference. N- again, nobody should expect it uh, to change the balance of power in the AFC North, uh, but I do think it should help them shore up their run game. Now, for the Falcons, he was going to be a backup player, a reserve player, part of the rotation, not even a starter. So that's why I think people need to temper their enthusiasm a little bit. But for the most part, um, I understand where they're going with this. And it was basically a no-brainer. They got him for nothing. They swapped. They gave up a sixth-round pick, got a seven in return in 2024. So that's basically nothing. Um, And from a money standpoint, that's also not a big deal either. Um, They have to pay him $760,000, which is the balance of his base salary so far uh, this season. And then... Uh, he can increase that up to $1.6 million with some bonuses, including an end of season. I have this in a story that's up on cleveland.com right now. 
uh, like a $567,000 end of season bonus. So he can run this up to $1.6 million. But right now he costs them about 760K with no bonuses. So it was a bargain basement price. It was bargain basement compensation. It's veteran leadership in a young linebacker room. Absolute no brainer. I was all for it. It, I mean, is there a chance this could be something similar to what we've seen them do, you know, with other players that they brought in for a year or two that, you know, maybe they just, they fill a specific role. They, they find what that player does really well. They, they you know, like Tech McKinley, somebody like that. Is there a chance that this could be that type of move for them? Is that what they're sort of hoping? I mean, it could be, uh, but I think more so than anything right now, uh, they, they had a hole that they needed to fill. They had an absolute hole at linebacker that they needed to fill. They couldn't go into the next two or three games with what they had going on. And I still think they need to do more. I mean, something's got to give. Now, hopefully for them, Miles will be that much healthier this week. Jadavian will be that much healthier this week. And Taven Bryan, who played despite a hamstring injury, will be that much healthier this week. uh, Because they can't continue on with what happened over the past two weeks. And I do think that some of what we saw on Sunday was, you know, three guys out there on the defensive line dragging themselves a little bit onto the field to play and to be there for their team, but maybe not able to do everything that they can normally do. Um, So I, you know, I would still be all for them adding more talent, but I think they've got to, I think they've got to get in the film room and pretend like they do have a bye week and break it down. And and if they don't have time to do it, then hire somebody else to come in and break down every ounce of film that you have and every run play that every single team has run on you and figure out exactly where the breakdowns are and come up with some solutions fast. So, yeah, the, the other question I had is, um, is, is this – like the tip of the iceberg or or do you think Andrew Barry has one or two moves left in him? Well, you know, by necessity, he might have to have one or two moves left in him because I don't think anybody really anticipated uh, that it was going to be this bad against the run. And they've got to stop the bleeding in the run game. They've got to. And when I, when I asked miles last night, how he was doing, he admitted, you know, I'm, I'm not myself yet. I've, I have felt a lot better. He's not supposed to be himself for at least another two or three weeks. So I don't think we can expect him to take over games the way we see the Aaron Donalds do and the way that, you know, we have seen Miles do on occasion. Uh, I don't know that you can expect that from him for the next month or so. The unfortunate thing for him with this accident is I really think it probably will. I think it's going to cost him a real legitimate shot at NFL Defensive Player of the Year. I mean, he, he's only got three sacks through five games right now. Unfortunately for all those guys, sacks are a huge part of it. Um, and, you know, he he hasn't taken over any games yet. And he missed a game. And uh, so I think he's behind the eight ball a little bit. So here's a question from Don Carroll in, in Fairview Park as, as we talk about the defense and, and their struggles. And he just asks, hey, Mary Kay, is the defensive talent simply overrated? You know, that's a good question. You know, I'm starting to wonder that myself a little bit, if there are certain positions that just, you know, aren't what we thought they were going to be or certain players that aren't what we thought they were going to be. 
I will say that, again, some of the players that I expected to step up and by now be really jumping off the page and the screen haven't done so yet. Again, I think the season is young, and I think there's more to come from a lot of guys like Grant Delpit, um, like Greg Newsom, like Denzel Ward, although now Denzel Ward has a concussion. He's the first Browns player under the new concussion protocol to be put into the protocol. So, you know, now we have to wonder, is it going to be harder to get out of the protocol? Uh, and is he going to have to miss this game against the uh, Patriots? So, you know, we don't know about that yet, but, you know, we just haven't seen some of the sort of dominant defensive performances that we thought we might see by now. And here's one way to tell. They have only taken the ball away, Dan, four times this season, <laughs> two interceptions and two fumble recoveries. Now, I would think that with all the talent that they have on this football team defensively, they should have more than four takeaways so far this year. They should have more, especially because they had they haven't played the best quarterbacks in the NFL. You know, they haven't played the guys that do not turn the ball over. So, um, so yeah, I think it's been a little bit disappointing from that standpoint because they haven't been able to punch it out. They haven't been able to grab those picks. And that's what you need to do. I mean, if you want to be that dominant, dominant defense that those players promised us they were going to be, then you've got to make those game-changing plays and guys need to start stepping up. So here's another one. I actually had to cross-check this because I wasn't, I didn't believe the number when I saw it. How many sacks do you think this team has? Oh, that's a great question because um, I haven't looked at that number lately. I know Miles <laughs> only has, right? Miles only has three and Jadavian has one and a half. So I know they have four and a half from those guys. <laughs> and I and, and Jacob Phillips got one yesterday, but it was really, you know, just uh, running out of bounds. Yeah. The line of skirmish sack it wasn't really a sack sack, but it still goes down as a sack. Um, so that's whatever, five and a half. So I'm going to say what, eight, you got really close. They actually have nine. Okay. Nine, but still that's like, so they're one of, um, a handful of teams that have single digit sacks. Um, it's actually interesting. I mean, there's some teams on this list that have good, like the Bengals only have eight. They have a couple really good edges, Max Crosby, you know, with the Raiders, the Raiders only have five. Sacks can be a, a little misleading, but y- you would like this team to have more than nine at this point in the season. <laughs> well, you know, especially because, Dan, when you think about it, uh, you know, they have not, once again, they not only have they not gone against the juggernaut NFL teams yet, except for obviously the Chargers were the best team they've played so far, but they haven't gone against like really good left tackles yet. I mean, that was a rookie that they played yesterday. And it was a rookie in the opener too, wasn't it? Didn't Carolina have a rookie? Uh, yes. Yeah. Starting his first game. Starting his first NFL game. So, I mean, like you would think that, you know, you could really take advantage of those situations and exploit them. Now I'm going to chalk up yesterday to like Miles said, he's, you know, he wasn't himself. I'm sure even from a conditioning standpoint, uh, you know, he probably wasn't able to do everything that he normally does over the past two weeks. So it's going to take him a little while probably to get back to where he's at, but they should have more than nine sacks and they certainly should have 
more than four takeaways. And they go hand in hand. I mean, you need some strip sacks. You need some sack fumbles. I mean, somebody should be back there raking that ball out of there. Yeah. I mean, those are the two things that, you know, pressure and takeaways. Those, those are the two things that make for great defense and, and the Browns just aren't, I mean, their pressure has been okay, but it's it's just behind miles and, and Jadavian. There's just not much there. And, and I think that's probably part of it too. Like you had a game where you had Alex Wright and Isaiah Thomas and Isaac Rochelle playing a lot and you didn't have miles and Jadavian at all in Atlanta. I mean, that's, they're having trouble generating pressure behind those guys, let, let alone just with those guys on the field. Yeah, and when you can't do it with your defensive linemen, then, you know, you got to blitz and do some other things, right? I mean, and you would think they have the speed and the horses to do that. So, you know, like I said, it's almost like they need a uh, to manufacture a bye week for the defense and, and break it all down and find out, you know, where can we get some – where can we – manufacture some pressure where can we generate some some takeaways and you know it might even be time to start thinking about changing up some personnel not that they have a lot of guys waiting in the wings but I mean maybe some other guys can roll through there who uh, can get some things done for you okay I think it's a, I'm sorry I was, gonna, I was just gonna say it's a very young defense too and I think they're showing signs of of missing a little bit of veteran leadership at certain spots. Yeah, I, I agree. You you have a lot of very young guys out there, um, a lot of second-year guys you're counting on. And, you know, Martin Emerson was out there in one of the biggest moments of the game, and he made the play. Like, good for him. But that's that's a tough spot to, to put a rookie, especially a third-round pick. All right, let's take a break, and let's try and get to some non-defense questions on the other side. And back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, Ronnie Butcher from Chapmanville, West Virginia. Hey, Mary Kay, this team feels jinxed. What do you believe the biggest issue is with closing games out? Is it preparation, coaching, lack of focus, or effort? I don't think it's effort. I think this team is playing really hard all the way up until the end. There are too many guys on this team that care too much about the game of football and are too passionate. So I'm not going to say that effort is it. I mean, look at Nick Chubb running through a wall. Look at Kareem Hunt, you know, with the hops at the end of the game. I mean, I just think there's too many guys that um, that are playing their their tails off uh, to pinpoint any of this on on effort. Um, I do think, you know, I'm just going to throw this out there. I mean, good quarterback play, excellent quarterback play, elite quarterback play covers up for a lot of ills. Okay, and I do think there's something to be said for the fact that. In every single one of their losses, Jacoby Brissett has thrown an interception late in the game with the game on the line, needing a field goal to tie the game or win the game. And I just think that's important. I think that matters. First of all, they're losing the turnover battle. And when you lose the turnover battle, you lose the game 70% of the time. When the Browns haven't won the turnover battle this year, they're 0-3. So, you know, that's not going to cut it when they have won or tied the turnover battle this year, that's when they're winning the games. So, um, so that that's, that's part of the problem. That is absolutely part of the problem. They, um, you know, they are, they're not getting the takeaways and doing those kinds of things. So I, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's tough to pinpoint, but I think those are part of the problem. 
Yeah, I, I mean, like that interception yesterday was that was a bad one. You know, the the one there was one, which game was it? The Jets game. I don't remember which game, but there was one where it was like, okay, he's trying to make a play, throwing it down the field towards the interception, and Atlanta um, probably made a bad decision. Still, a situation where he's trying trying to get a play down the field. That one yesterday was like, oh, you can't do that. That's a play that a veteran quarterback just can't make. But again, at the same time, like ultimately he is your backup quarterback and Mm -hmm. we, we sort of know who Jacoby Brissett is. We knew who he was coming into the season. And I I don't think anything has changed that necessarily. Yeah. You know, I mean, I really think that when the Browns headed into this season and they acquired Deshaun Watson in the trade, I really think they truly believed that he would be suspended for about six games and that, you know, in a perfect world, maybe they, that somehow he could get that knocked down to four. That is what their research told them. That is what they pretty much thought was going to happen. So they didn't anticipate starting Jacoby for 11 games. Now, Jacoby's done some really nice things, but you can't be turning the ball over uh, in your two-minute drill. I mean, you you can't throw interceptions in those situations. When the safety who picked him off yesterday was asked about it, he said, I baited him into it. I baited him into it. Um, And, you know, that can't happen. I mean, in the Atlanta game, and yesterday, the thing that can't happen on the on at the end of the game is that you throw a pick. You've got to get the field goal. I mean, if you get the field goal, you're either going to tie the game in Atlanta or you win the game yesterday. So I do, even even though, you know, it sounds like I'm being hard on the backup quarterback. I mean, the Browns knew they were going to be without Deshaun Watson. So, I mean, like, it's up to them to make sure that they have adequate quarterback play in the interim. And so we can't absolve them from responsibility for that. We can't just pass it off to, oh, it's the backup quarterback because that, that, that just can't, that can't be it. I mean, they could have maybe had Jimmy Garoppolo here or, you know, maybe someone else or whatever the case may be, or maybe they have to, come up with, you know, different red zone situations or two minute drills. I don't think they gave him enough practice in training camp. I think they were really trying to establish Deshaun as the leader of the football team for when he was going to come back and build up all those chips, you know, the plays and the reps and the camaraderie and all that stuff. But I think they shortchanged Jacoby a little bit. I mean, like he didn't have enough two minute drills, obviously. I I just don't think he did. I mean, do you agree with me on that? Yeah, I, it never felt like Jacoby was the starting quarterback. Right. Until it was like, oh, okay, Deshaun's suspended now for 11 games. Let's hand things over to Jacoby. It just never felt, or I guess they wanted to get that first preseason game in the books with, with Deshaun starting. But yeah, I mean, it never felt, I, I was surprised even in the spring how little Jacoby Brissett went with the ones. Yes. And then early in, which, okay, it's the spring, that's fine. But then early in training camp, it's like, I mean, we went into it thinking we would track how many reps Jacoby Brissett got with the ones and how many Deshaun Watson got with the ones. And about two days into camp, we realized it was pointless because he wasn't getting any reps with the ones outside of like the the way they would do it is Deshaun would go a full series and then they'd give Jacoby one and then it would be onto the the second team. And I I don't know. I, I think that's one of those things that we could look back on and say, why did they do this exactly? 
Yeah. And I think, and we, we saw it in real time and we mentioned it and we talked about it on the pods in real time. Jacoby Brissett is not getting enough time with the first team offense. He's not getting enough two minute drills and not enough situational football. They're not getting enough time on task. I mean, he didn't have enough reps, you know, with Amari Cooper, you can't start that when training camp is almost over. And I understand that it was a balancing act, but when it, when you came to realize that Deshaun Watson was going to be suspended for 11 games, you had to put a whole lot of eggs in that 11 game basket, a lot of eggs in that 11 game basket and make sure that by the time you got through those 11 games, you were still in the hunt to be able to hand over a winning contending football team to Deshaun Watson and then go from there. I mean, Deshaun Watson is a four-time Pro Bowl quarterback or a three-time. He's he's a many po- he's Pro been Bowl. He's been to some Pro Bowls. <laughs> he's been to many Pro Bowls. I think it's four. I, I can't remember. It's three or four. But anyways, so he's really, really good. And when he comes back, chances are his talent is, for the most part, going to be able to show up. But in the interim, I don't think they gave Jacoby enough situational football, enough work with the first team where he is doing uh, exactly what he needs to do primarily, you know, with the game on the line in the clutch. And I, you know, I also think that, you know, I agree. I think Deshaun's talent is going to take over at some point, regardless. I also think like two years since he last played a football game, we saw how it looked in Jacksonville. It, it might be a little rough for, you know, you hope maybe only a half or something, but it might be a little rough for, a little bit of time once he comes back. Cause even though he can start practicing, it, it's not like there's a ton of practice reps there to, to split up necessarily. Right. And the other thing uh, that we have said since deep into the off season uh, was that they were leaving themselves short with another veteran receiver besides Amari Cooper. Okay. And I still strongly feel that way. And if I were Andrew Barry, I would be trying to trade for a veteran receiver because you have to have somebody else that strikes a little fear into the heart of a defense uh, besides Amari Cooper. And there are other good receivers. Donovan Peoples-Jones is a good receiver. Uh, The other guys are kind of young and just kind of coming up the learning curve. But when you hear Brandon Staley at the end of the game say, oh, we were totally confident about our defense stopping them because ah, we knew they were going to have to pass the ball. And like, we didn't care about that. We knew they weren't going to be able to do that. <laughs> no, 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 no. That is not what you need a defensive coordinator to be saying. If they're saying that, what do you think Bill Belichick's saying this week? What do you <laughs> think he's saying? He knows that he's got to take Amari Cooper out of the game. He knows he's got to really, you know, probably key in on David Njoku. And other than that, I don't think he's too scared about Jacoby versus anybody else. So um, I, if I were Andrew Barry, I would still be on the horn trying to get a, a good wide receiver in here. I mean, look, maybe DJ Moore is available now. I mean, you know, like you just never know. Um, but I, I just think you have to do that for a number of reasons, not just to help out Jacoby not just to help out Deshaun when he gets back, but to help out Amari Cooper, who could use to be, you know, freed up a little bit. 
yeah, I'm I'm still with you. They they just Donovan Peoples Jones has been good this year, but yeah. I'd feel a lot better if he was like the number three receiver and, and not the number two. I don't know if he is at the point where he's striking fear into people. It's kind of like just just make sure he doesn't hurt us, but we're not gonna, you know, shift our entire defense to stop him. Right. Exactly. So um, oh go yeah. ahead. I mean they need they need a guy. I don't know exactly who else would be out there or available. Uh, but I, I would, uh, I would, I would use one of my wild cards on on somebody like that. Okay, a couple more here. Paul Clark and Cleveland. <laughs> this one seems to come up uh, every other week or so. Hey, Mary Kay, is there any energy in Berea about having Kevin Stefanski relinquish the play calling and handing it off to Alex Van Pelt, and that way he could spend a little more time and attention, maybe on the defense or some other things. You know, so far, I haven't heard anything like that. And I think one of the reasons for that is who wants to give up play calling before you get your elite quarterback on the field, (laughs) right? I mean, who wouldn't want to call plays for Deshaun Watson, right? I mean, you become a much better play caller when you have a, a, a quarterback, an elite quarterback throwing the football. So I don't think he's going to do it. I, I don't think it's in the cards. I think uh, he wants to have an opportunity to uh, to call those plays for Deshaun Watson, uh, you know, to be part of that show uh, if it's going to be that again, which I don't think it's going to be that unless they get another good receiver, another quality veteran receiver in here. But um, but I don't I certainly don't think he's going to give it up uh, until he has a, a good long time with one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah, uh, he's kind of been waiting for this, right? Like he obviously did not get along very well with Baker Mayfield and his fit in the offense, and he went and sold Deshaun Watson on this offense. And so, yeah, I'm sure he wants to be the guy that gets to call those plays. Um, there, there were certainly some confusing play calls on Sunday, but again, it, you know, I don't want this to just turn into well, Deshaun's going to show up and rescue the season. But there are times when you see this offense and you think. If that were Deshaun, that play probably would have turned out differently. Yes, I, I think that a lot. I mean, there there's a world in which they could possibly be five and zero with Deshaun, and I'm I'm not saying that because I think he can beat every single team in the NFL right now, and that it's just going to be like clockwork. But they played their softest part of their schedule so far. So yes, I think he would have been able to beat the Jets and Joe Flacco, right? Yes, I think he would have been able to beat. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons uh, and Marcus Mariota. Yes, I do. And I think there's a chance that at home with a good running game that he, you know, that he could have defeated the chargers yesterday and Justin Herbert. That's why you got him, you know, you trade for him so that he can beat the Justin Herberts. Right. right. So there's a chance that maybe he would have even been able to do that. So, yes, I think the record would be better uh, if Deshaun had been playing so far. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't take, you know, five plays to go 10 yards and set up a 54-yard field goal. You're probably getting that kick a little bit closer with him running that two-minute drill. All right, last question. I guess we have reached this point of the season already. Uh, Howard in Los Angeles uh, obviously brought had a little Joe Woods discussion, but then he says... Uh, hey, Mary Kay, if this season really tanks and 
Deshaun Watson looks like he's been out for two years when he comes back and plays and the Browns go five and 12. Would Kevin Stefanski be in trouble? You know, once again, I I absolutely don't think so because I still think that they 100% believe in Kevin Stefanski. And I think everyone recognizes that this year is largely about Deshaun Watson's 11 game suspension. That blindsided everybody in this organization. Again, as I mentioned before, they thought it was going to be about six and that he would still have 11 games left to come back and salvage this season and try to win the AFC North, which is there for the taking, by the way. I mean, it is there for the taking, isn't it? I mean, look, the, the Cincinnati Bengals who went to the Super Bowl are two and three right now. So, you know, it's like the whole AFC. I mean, everybody's kind of just canceling each other out and keeping everybody alive. So, I mean, if the Cincinnati Bengals can be two and three right now, then, you know, the Browns, the sky has not fallen yet for the Cleveland Browns. So, no, I don't think that Kevin Stefanski will be on the hot seat in a year in which the quarterback that they got, you know, to take them to Super Bowls over the next decade, it was out for 11 games. Yeah, I mean, you know, at least let's see where they are after Halloween night, right? Before you really, before people really start to panic. I mean, it's been bad. They haven't, you know, they've only played one good team. And even that team is kind of like, there's some real, what are they doing moments <laughs> with that team? Um, they, they, we made all the jokes last, last week about how the Browns and the Chargers are sort of like the same team right now. Um, but, you know, you've got New England coming to town. That is a beatable football team. And then you get to play Cincinnati and Baltimore. So, you know, let, let's see where they are after that Monday night game against Cincinnati. And they're going into the bye week. And if they're two and what would that be? Two and six. Mm-hmm. That's a little concerning. But if they rally and they maybe split those division games and beat New England. You know, you might have a chance. Obviously, you still got some some tough games on your schedule coming up. But, you know, it's, it's certainly not over at, at this point, even though it feels bleak. Yeah. And you know what? I just wanted to bring something else up real quick because I've been thinking about this a lot today. I tweeted it and a lot of people uh, had an issue with my with my tweet and wondered why I would even mention something like this. But there was a reason why I did so. And my tweet was the fact that I remember how upset and mad Matt Rule was after the Browns beat the Panthers 26 to 24 on Cade York's 58 yard game winning field goal. Um, because they really strongly felt that uh, that they got, you know, cheated at the end when the refs picked up the flag. They threw the flag on Jacoby Brissett when he took a step back on the spike. It could have gone either way. Uh, you know, they could have either left the flag and they could have, you know, called that penalty, uh, which would have been, uh, you know, a 10-yard penalty and a 10-second runoff. So Cade York would have been attempting a 68-yard field goal, and he would have had three seconds. That rookie would have had three seconds to pull it off, a 68-yarder, okay? So the chances of him making that were going to be, I think, pretty slim. 68, I mean, they might not even old. They might not even have tried a 68-yarder. I know. That's huge. Right? So, yeah. So there's a, there's a darn good chance that if that flag – had not been picked up, the Browns would be one and four right now. And the Panthers would be two and four. I mean, two and three. 
So that is how, and the reason why I, I put that out there is because that is how slim, that is how razor thin the margins are in the NFL. That's how, that's all it would have taken for the Browns to be one and four right now. Don't pick up that yellow, little yellow flag. Just don't pick it up. Right? Right. Matt Rule, Matt Rule could have a job, still have a job right now. Very true. All right. Well, I don't know if anyone can hear it, but my son has started playing his tuba right above my head. <laughs> so uh, that's probably our sign here. That was the last question anyway that I wanted to put out there in our Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange or Brown Talk uh, podcast. Those questions came from our Football Insider subscribers. Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get info for that and get signed up. And also make sure you're subscribed to our podcast wherever you listen, uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and, and leave us good reviews. We love reading nice things about ourselves. I don't know if that's that's ego. I don't know what it is. We just like people to say nice things about us. All right. Uh, all right, Mary Kay, I'll talk to you later. Sounds great.